This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I am joined with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We are also joined by Charlie Hall. Uh, this is a second round of the interview with Charlie. We're grateful for his time he's given us. Charlie is a lay elder at the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville, longtime friend and elder serving with Jim Sebastio at their church. If you have not, if you're just clicking on this, maybe from iTunes or whatever, because it was the the newest release art uh, podcast, you will want to go back and listen to the first one. You can listen to this one, but you would be helped to listen to the first one first, <clears throat> then come back to this one because we laid the groundwork about just who Charlie is, why we wanted to talk with him. And just things about his life that will give important context as we go into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we do that, though, you can, I want to ask you to go to practicalshepherding.com and you can access all of our resources there. You can contact us. We like to know if there's topics you want us to address on the podcast. So you can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, those places. But also you can go to the contact page of the website and just request a podcast. And we try to compile those and do what we can to address all the topics that... You all want us to address because we we want to be able to address the things that you're going through and see if it would be helpful. And you should write us and let us know because if you're going through it, we can assure you there are other pastors going through the same thing. We don't care how crazy it is. And we guarantee you there are other pastors going through what you're going through. So that's why we want to address them on the podcast. So write us, let us know what those topics are, and, and let us know how we can be helpful to you in, in the future. Jim, though, we're jumping back in to talk to Charlie again and we set some of this groundwork at the first. Just give, would you give just another brief snapshot of reminding us biblically why we are having this conversation about lay elders? Yeah. We talked recently in a podcast about uh, moving to a plurality of elders and why that's good uh, and that it's biblical. We believe it's healthy for the life of the church. We believe it's healthy for the, for the elders, that the elders need elders, and uh, no one man is really fully competent to pastor a church by himself well uh, over a lo- over the long haul. It, I mean, God can give grace, and it doesn't mean it's all going to fall apart, but there will be some unhealthy things that, that are going to creep into a pastor's own life because he needs to be able to share those burdens. He doesn't have all the wisdom. He needs others in his life to uh, help and give insight uh, into things he doesn't have. So sometimes there's going to be where there's a staff and there are going to be um, associate pastors or assistant pastors that are uh, seminary trained and fully supported. That's going to happen. But most often what's going to happen in our churches, most of our churches, is that godly men are going to be raised up within our church. They're going to be recognized as having the qualifications for an elder. They're going to have a heart to shepherd the flock. They're going to have some degree of gift in regard to teaching or preaching. Uh, And uh, they are going to be brought on uh, to the eldership. And they're going to be a great benefit to the life of the church and to the elders and overseeing one another, helping one another, encouraging each other, um, rebuking each other if need be, all all of those things. And the recognition is that, again, some of these men, they're going to be men with full-time jobs in, in other places. Uh, our elders throughout the years have been uh, very often have had uh, full-time jobs, one in the banking industry, some in more um, uh, blue-collar type uh, industries. Uh, Charlie here was a, um, a chemical engineer with Dow Corning. Uh, and in management there. And so again, guys that are fairly busy uh, and uh, but are going to come in, they're going to give themselves uh, on a somewhat limited basis, according, we're going to talk about that today. 
uh, and and help to pastor the flock and and help the the other elders uh, to do their jobs well. Yeah, I know that's helpful. And I want to remind everybody of terminology before I turn to Charlie here in just a minute that um, elder and pastor is the same office in the New Testament. So don't be confused with that. You're come a lot of listeners coming from different denominations and different polity structures of the church. And we just want to remind everybody that we, we see elder and pastor is the same office. But oftentimes, the, the term elder, lay elder especially, is used as someone who is not a full-time pastor, but is, a, but is serving in a role that assumes the same burdens as all the other pastors do, but has to do it in somewhat of a limited capacity. But the argument we would make, not only just seeing it in the New Testament, but that the burdens to care for souls and minister the word and shepherd the flock that we're called to do from 1 Peter 5 is too great for one man to carry alone. And so we're doing this episode, these two episodes, because we want to advocate for this. We believe that it's God's design that there be more than one deacon and more than one pastor in a local church if if God would, would provide those people for them. So we're thankful Charlie's with us. And letting us talk with him, we heard in the last episode just aspects about him personally, his background, how he came to the church, uh, how he became an elder, LA elder at the church. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you'd like some of that context. So Charlie, we want to get into now the, the logistics of being an elder and what it's like being a lay elder with a family and a full-time job and yet assuming you know, these, this role of, of serving and shepherding the flock and ministering the word. So the first question I think I want to ask you around this is how did you manage your time and being an elder? So how much did you give to the pastoral work, let's say like on a weekly basis? And how did you know how to prioritize the limited time that you were given at the, at the church to do this? Well, this answer will probably make me sound much smarter than I am. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say on average, and that... That is very, it's very much an average because every week is different. But before I retired, I spent probably about 10 hours a week on pastoral work, on elder work, church work. And I didn't keep a time card. I didn't keep track of that. Some weeks I'm sure I spent more. Some weeks I may not have spent any. Yeah. Um, my job had me away from home, either working or driving, about 60 hours a week. Okay, wow. And so that leaves, if you add in sleep and eating meals and taking care of yourself, that leaves not a whole bunch of hours for yeah. other activities. Yeah. And so 10 hours a week doesn't sound like very many, but... It was plenty for me at that time. And th- then you ask how I prioritized. Mm-hmm. Before you go there, Charlie, I just yeah. want to highlight what you've articulated. I have found to be a very common trend for lay elders that five to 10 hours a week is kind of the average that most lay elders are have been able to give. The guys that I worked with, I, I asked five to 10 hours of them and tried to not ask more than that. And so as we get into the priorities, that, that then makes it clear you have to figure out what those are. Jim, go ahead. Brian could, uh, and Charlie, maybe, Charlie, could you express what you did? What, what, so what made up those 
uh, 10 hours, five to 10 yeah. hours, um, of, of labor that you consider this is pastoral labor. Yeah. You had, you had just those few hours, Charlie. So how did you know what to put to it? What to let the other guys do? How did you determine that? Yeah. So I considered that for me as an individual with my gifting and the things that I spent time on, the variety of things I spent time on that would have included things like prepping for teaching publicly that would have included things, especially things like spending time on the phone or in coffee shops or in other people's homes, talking with them one-on-one about uh, problems typically that they were having. Um, it would have included uh, preparing for, uh, to lead prayer meeting. It would, have, it, it would have included the formal activities such as an elders meeting or an elders deacons meeting, yeah. something yeah. like that. Right. But beyond those things, I'm, I'd have to sit down and think about it. I'm kind of running out of systematic things that I spent time on. Maybe mention uh, oversights. Oh, something that we that we do and how we True. how we do that. Yeah, I I would spend time and and spend more time now. But when I was working, I I spent appreciable amount of my time. My my 520 hours a year was spent on doing oversights, which was a a, a specific focus time with each member of the church to talk about their spiritual state and progress and, mm. and to give them counsel. Yeah, that's good. I do want to go, go, go ahead and go here where you mentioned you served as an elder for a lot of years working full time. Now you're retired. How long ago did you retire from your job, Charlie? I retired five and a half years ago. Okay. So will you compare your work as an elder with a full-time job, working 60 hours a week that like you're talking about grinding to now you're retired, what's eldering look like then and what does it look like now? Well, for me, again, this is going to be specific to the man. Yeah. But for me, it's, it was so freeing to retire because I can now spend really as much time as I am, what turns out for me be, to be physically able to to spend with people, counseling them, overseeing them, as we just talked about, um, and also doing the public parts of, of the ministry. But mm. my my time spent on public ministry is a minority of my time, and mm. not by a little bit, mm. by a fair amount. Yeah, I probably spend, if you average it out, I probably spend an hour or two a day at the very most on public ministries. And I probably spend, some days I spend almost all day counseling one or more people. Wow. Some days it's just an hour or two that day. Mm-hmm. Because as my as my wife and especially as my sons would point out to you, I spend a lot of time on yard work. <laughs> yeah, right. Dad picks up sticks in the yard a lot. Yeah. That's good. It's actually not quite like that, but that's what they would say. <laughs> okay. No, that's great. Jim, I want to turn to you because when, as you, as the, you know, as, as the full, one of the full-time pastors, how would you relate to Charlie? Let's go back first to when he was working. You knew he was working 60 hours and he had the issues, difficult issues at work and obviously taking mm-hmm. care of a family. As, his fellow, as one of your, your elders, how would you approach 
how you would relate to him, what you would ask of him. Could you speak to that? Yeah, and boy, I mean, it, it, just hearing it again, what he did, I'm I'm kind of amazed, and I probably feel guilty that I uh, had him do as much as that. Will be a separate podcast, him, Jim, but do, we can talk about that know, later. Yeah, we should do a whole thing on all the things you feel guilty about when you're a pastor. Part three, part yes. Uh, uh, Ad infinitum. Uh, pastoral guilt's a big thing. Anyway, um, and I do want to, you know, we, we, we do do, give, I mentioned we give some compensation, mm-hmm. uh, not nearly what these guys are worth uh, for what they do. Um, but at that time, I was trying to be mindful, and you would try to check in, and you'd try to talk to his wife and whatnot. Uh, Charlie is self-motivated in a lot of these things is just going to pick things up and, 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 and do them and wants to do them. If he could do it, he'd, he'd he wanted to do it. And some of this is related to the way the Lord's put him together. Some of this is even related to how he has decided to fight his MS. Yeah. Uh, he has like uh, a shark. If he stays still, he feels he's going to die. So he's got to keep <laughs> swimming and, uh, That's one way to pushing. look at it for sure. Yeah, and you know, so and we would try to check in uh, with his wife and the kids. Like, you know, are you is dad away too much or is this too much for him? That sort of thing. I'm trying to remember if there were times when I just said, "Charlie, you got to you know pull back." I I, I should have. I, I I would love to think I did that. I want to be heroic in my own mind and say I did that. Charlie, this I is probably, the moment where where we can at least acknowledge he thought that whether yeah, he said I it do, or not. At least I do. It now. was in his mind when I he do now when I'm sitting relaxing, <laughs> and I know Charlie's having a counseling session. No, but <laughs> no. I mean, I am so uh, so. Two of our lay elders are retired now. And, and and both of them are able to and and want to and and have desire to give you know, some of their time uh, to it. I think part of that is it's it, they it's in their heart. It's what they are. You know, being a pastor is, is not just what you do; it's what you are. And you do what you do because you are what you are. And you would do it hey, if 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 I if I weren't a pastor, the church you know folded uh, and they couldn't pay me or whatever else. I may not preach anymore, but I would still get with people. I would still love people. Yeah, right. I would still see hurting people. That's and be the drawn calling to them. side of it, isn't it? And mm-hmm. You just would. You just do it. You don't do it because you get paid. You don't do it for the title. You don't do it because yep. you know of the respect or whatever else. You do it because you love people. Charlie loves people and and has a desire uh, to help them, and I believe has gifts uh, to help them. Mm. And so now, you know what these men have done because. I do, and Derek, Derek, and I do, and I, I probably maybe a bit more just because of the years and the relationships. I do a lot of the emergency counseling. The hey, can we get together this week? Yeah, uh, I am trying to get invested much more in the matter of uh, pouring into a, a rising generation. We have we have we have a number of Boyce Bible College students and some seminary guys. So. I want to do that. I preach more, and I write and do all those other things. And so Charlie and John, uh, John would be good to have on here as well. John is uh, another of our lay elders. Lay elders has been a lay elder for 20-plus years now, 24 years. He would definitely be a fun conversation. Yeah, he'd be a very fun conversation. (laughs) Uh, John's in his early 70s now. He's still in really good shape. John does. John preaches at least once a month, and and John and Charlie do the bulk of what we call these oversight visits, and that okay. is, so we divide every family unit or couple or family unit among the four elders, 
Uh, Derek and I have the least of those because of our other responsibilities, and they they do mm-hmm. the bulk of that. Charlie also does a good bit, if not uh, almost all of the premarital counseling uh-huh. now. Uh, Charlie does that, and so uh, he's got a fairly full uh, you know counseling session. There mm-hmm. are some emergency type regular uh meetings that that he is in charge of and so we will sometimes have as elders uh some of us will do like there is uh say there's a uh, so we code our things you know green yellow red uh so green families are like okay they're we think they're okay we gotta make sure we don't neglect them yellow we really need to Hey, pay attention to red. We it, it's crisis, crisis. Yeah. Yep. And so Charlie might have one of those red ones. Derek might have one of those white red ones. I might have one or two of those. John might have one of those. And so you know, we invest more in yeah. that family and then report to the other elders uh, yeah. what we're doing. Charlie has some of those right now uh, that he is that mm-hmm. he's dealing with, and then he will report to us uh, every week, uh, mm-hmm. usually on what those meetings entailed no that's really helpful and I, I want to turn back to charlie and but as i do that i just i want to acknowledge what i'm hearing from you all that i think is helpful to just point out as people are listening that you guys are a team like the elders work together as a team to shepherd the flock and that's really the point of all of this if you're trying to figure out you know what's the point of it you get more opinions in a room it makes it more difficult to make decisions what no, this is a team working together to do this work of the ministry that that pastors, elders are called to in the local church. And so I think what Jim just shared really captures well that they work as a team to care for everybody. It's not all on Jim, and these guys are just his advisors, which some people think that's what elders are and function that way. But I, I appreciate how you're all church all these years, and I've, and I've watched it through the years. You guys, all the elders truly shepherd people and are involved in these situations. Charlie, the impact on your family being a lay elder, what would you share in regard to, one, impact on your family, maybe good and bad, what cautions would you give to anyone who wants to step into a lay elder position about their families? I think the, the first thing I would say, and maybe the primary thing I would say, is a, it's a vertical dimension. I, I would say that when you become an elder you will you will open yourself you will raise your hand to your adversary and say here i am mm-hmm. attack me mm-hmm. yeah our, our family has been all you can almost mark it to the day i was ordained really it has been has been attacked in ways that have been at the time humanly withering Obviously, I can look back on them and say the Lord has used them for our good, Mm. to grow us and to make us more like Christ. Mm. But be prepared for that because it's real. Mm. I wouldn't have said that before I was an elder. Mm. I I would have said, I would have said, just like I said in 2004, I'm just going to go on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to go on talking with people and helping them out and getting to know them better and loving them. But I wouldn't have been as a, much of a target of spiritual attack as I was once I became an elder. Mm. I, I, re- I truly believe that. So that's been the major impact on my family. Now, has there been impact on my family because of I'm away at night or because I'm distracted when I'm home or whatever the case is? Yes. Mm. There's been some impact of that, but not much 
not dramatically different than the impact of my secular work yeah. on my family. Yeah, right. Not that I'm not the time I'm away to be at work, but the time I'm at work when I'm physically at home. It's just a, it's a, it's the same sort of thing. It, it mm. was added, it added a layer to that, but it was of the same nature. The cliche with the pastor's kids is, you know, they're under the microscope, they're in a fishbowl. Uh, as a lay elder, did you experience that in some measure? Maybe not as bad as, as the, the head, the lead pastor would experience? I believe that we as a family experienced that, but it was a much, it was much lo- lesser than Jim and now Derek experience. Mm. Now, my wife might disagree with that answer slightly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Because she has a different sensitivity to it than I do. My kids would be interesting to ask that question yeah. of. I think they were aware that people were aware that their dad was an elder in the church, but not anywhere, not anything like the Sevastio kids. Mm. So I want to, I want to kind of shift gears a minute and ask you a question that because I'm sitting and thinking of this as I'm sitting in front of both of you that. Jim took his first sabbatical in 32 years last year, Charlie, as you well know. And it was a process to get there. And uh, you all served him really well, I hear, as he was gone because you took on all the pastoral work while he was gone with the other elders. Would you just speak to what that was like, Charlie? Like, you've been with him all this time. And, you know, people listen to this and listen to me talk to Jim about his sabbatical and that end of it. So, a lot of listeners are familiar with what he went through in that process and how what he experienced. What did you experience while you were back here and he was hiking the trails in the <laughs> Northwest? What we experienced, the three of us as a team, experienced something of our primary, our primary objective was to not allow Jim to be bothered <laughs> by anything that had to do with the well church. Well done, Charlie, by the way. Well done. No, we didn't do it well. <laughs> but the yeah, good, you did really, you did most good intent. <laughs> because people, every, everyone in the church wasn't on the same team. Mm-hmm. I, I'm joking about that to some extent. Some people contacted Jim directly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, Inevitable, right? That, right. That and like was and we, at times, we would swoop in and try to take that off his plate. At times... He was he had to deal with with things, mm. but our primary motivation was to allow him to take a true sabbatical away from the church, mm. and it sound you made it sound very glorious in that we took all the pastoral load, and I suppose technically that is true, um, but seven weeks isn't that long actually. Mm-hmm. It, from most perspectives, yeah, and it it wasn't it wasn't like we were our backs were bowed under it and we couldn't stand the load, mm-hmm. but it was it was a bigger load. Yeah, there's you, no doubt about you it. You noticed it. I mean, certainly oh, yeah. with Jim gone and you all taking on all those burdens. Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't do it perfectly, but I am grateful as Jim's friend that because he, like all pastors, really in conscience can't go and take that time if they don't feel like the flock will be taken care of well while they're gone. And I just know he articulated that to me, that he he had, he had a great deal of confidence in the elders being able to do what, what you all would need to do while he was gone. Yeah, and I, I think that confidence was probably helped. He could speak to it, but probably helped by his 
prior experience with Bell's palsy. Yeah. And having to sit, not being on sabbatical, but not doing a lot of public ministry and sitting in the church and seeing that the church didn't fall apart. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I got one final question for both of you. I'll go with you, Charlie, first. So what would you... What would you want a lead pastor, a full senior pastor, a full-time, you know, occupational pastor in a church? Uh, what would you want to tell him if he is either has lay elders or is looking to want to have lay elders? Any final word of wisdom or advice you would give him? Huh. The the main thing I would want to tell a lead pastor and a lay elder hmm. about about persevering as an elder for for the long haul quote unquote is don't attach your sense of accomplishment your hopes as a man to the results of your ministry hmm. attach your hope to the quality of your obedience hmm. that's what i would tell them hmm. that's that's what i have learned in 14 years as a lay elder, mm. is uh, it doesn't matter if you're a lay elder or a full-time elder. If you are, if you are looking for results, <laughs> you're going to be disappointed yeah, right. at times, at the very least, if not relatively often, all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And, and you have to take your eyes off of that because you don't control that. Mm. You control the quality of your obedience. Excellent advice. So, Charlie, Jim. do you want to pick up? I think there was an element of that question that was geared toward if you if you could talk to somebody like me or Brian yeah. a few years ago. Yep. What would like ha, maybe even think about Charlie? I'm I'm, I'm open to this. Ways yeah. that you think, Jim, you can't do that to me. Here's you your can't moment, do Charlie. That to John, maybe don't think about what I did to you. Think about what I did to John. <laughs> Jim, that's not fair. You're not. You are. You're abusing us. You're using us too much or too little. Full you're confession not letting, time, Charlie. You're not letting us in. You're treating us like we're two tier, like we're not really pastors. Whatever. Is there anything like that that you would want to address and be easy on me? Remember, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no, this is no, but seriously anything. I, 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 I would want to hear that. Anything that would be really helpful. Um, we learn from our mistakes, yeah. and, and and if we can help, one of the things we're trying to do is this is where we spun out. You know, this is the uh, the hidden ice that we spun out on. We're trying to help other guys learn from our mistakes sometimes yeah. in this. So, anything to add with that, Charlie? With that question, I would say that that really the thing that. I can't speak for John. I could, but I'm not going to. <laughs> mm. I'll speak for myself. Okay. The thing that, that I see that I would, I would say to all full-time elders who are looking at adding lay elders is that depend on them more than you think you should mm. because most of these men... I. Most of these men are going to be geared to handle a heavy load. Uh -huh. And, you know, there's an old saying that goes something like, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy man. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how most of, most of these guys are geared that way. Yeah. The, if you give them something to do, they're going to do it. Now, some guys are going to do it and they're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. And some guys are going to do it and they're going to get they're going to get 
profit for themselves from doing it. Mm-hmm. And that depends all on their heart and their attitude. It doesn't mm-hmm. depend on what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. So th- that's what I would say is, is allow yourself to depend on them more fully and, mm-hmm. and trust them to tell you if it's too much. Mm-hmm. That's good. I want to turn that final question on you, Jim. Uh, so what final advice, and you can, you can choose to give it to, you know, lead pastors like coming from that perspective or or feel free to address if there are lay elders listening what kind of advice would you give them any final word here yeah a couple of things so i think for uh, full-time men ensure that you appreciate what charlie said but on the other hand take make sure you don't take advantage Mm. of the volunteer work offered to you It, it, it is not to give you time off it's not so that you can golf more or whatever else. And I just have to say that because I know there are guys who do that. Hopefully not the guys who listen to this. It's the guys who listen to those other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the Swanky Pastor I play podcast. golf, by the yeah, way. I know you do, Brian. Yeah, for me, it's tiddlywinks and cooking videos. Um, so, but, you know, uh, they are there to help you shoulder the burden, not to do your burden, you yeah. know. So, yeah. it's, it's, uh, anyway, that's... If you're getting paid, you gotta make sure you're doing your work. The, so the other, I, I was, I, I think something like that needs to be said. I hate to sound negative with that, but you know we've gotten request, we we have gotten emails from guys who feel like their their associate pastors are barely getting paid, and the elders keep dumping more and more on them without appropriate yeah. compensation. No, this is, this so that's important thing so to that, say. You're I right. do think it needs you're to right. be said. Yeah, so, right. but the other thing is, um, check with their check with your lay elders, wives and kids. Mm. And make sure that they are not unduly suffering. I mean, they're going to be, hey, you are signing your family up for this, as Charlie yeah. said. Yeah, right. And wives and the kids need to be involved. You know, when Charlie started this, so 2004, Pete was three, right? And Josh would have won six and Sam nine or ten, mm. somewhere in there. So they had, you know, small kids. So, you know, they, they pay the price for this too. And some of them are happy to do that because it's a great way they want to serve the Lord. Uh, but you might need to check on that, make sure they're okay, and make sure that, hey, is is he suffering more than he's letting on mm-hmm. with this? And you might need to say, hey, tell you what, I'm going to pull you, I'm going to pull you back from this um, a little bit, at least right for now, or that you need, you need rest. I mean, I'd like for this guy to have a sabbatical, mm-hmm. or, you know, or something like that. And we've talked about that, and given again his physical condition, mm-hmm. and he really pours himself in. So. And, I'll say full full disclosure. Charlie's been one of my heroes, um, you know, throughout all of this, and I uh, our eldership has been uh, so greatly enhanced by what he and John uh, have done. I, I you know John's in his seventies now. Uh, yeah, anyway, it all comes with an expiration date. All of our ministries do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so treasure it if you have it. Treasure it. Make sure you express your appreciation for them acknowledge them publicly acknowledge them i think it, it is right to um uh, i got a special you know tr- treatment when i had 25 years in ministry and i think it's right for you know these other men uh to mm-hmm. get something like that to some kind of public recognition some yeah. kind of gift even something that says yeah we note and mark what you do and love what you mark and do we highly esteem it yeah, thank you for sharing that, you guys. And Charlie, thanks for joining us. And there's so much more we could talk about, but I think we need to wrap the episode there. Um, so thank you again for your ministry and your faithful life, Charlie. I appreciate your friendship as well. And um, I'm going to ask Jim if you'll just take a minute and pray, Jim, for 
just lay elders uh, around the world who are serving in faithful ways like Charlie has all these years. Father in heaven, thank you for the way that so many serve uh, your church and your people, the blood-bought sheep of your son, the children you've given to him, and they serve them without recognition and, and so many without any kind of compensation. Thank you for their selfless labors. We know that in glory, no, not even a, a drop of cold water given in the name of the Lord will, will go unrewarded. We thank you, Father, that there is a crown uh, for such. And Lord, pray that you would bless and encourage uh, your uh, people as they go about with this selfless service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.